hey, good morning and welcome again to Summit Church. Uh, we are going to kind of conclude uh, a five-week series that we started called Heartbeat. At the beginning of this series, just to get everyone caught up, whether this is your first time here, you've been here every week, just to get everyone caught up, we wanted to answer the question, what causes God's heart to beat? What is He passionate about? We looked at Scripture and we determined that He is passionate about His own glory, His own worth, the world knowing who He is and what He has accomplished and giving Him His due credit. We, we saw that's what drives God. We then asked the question, as a church, how do we best facilitate that? How do we accomplish Him receiving glory? And once again, we saw that Scripture gives a lot of ways to do that. But the best way for us as a church to glorify God is through the making of disciples. That's where we get our mission statement. At Summit Church, we exist to make disciples for the glory of God. We think that is the best way to glorify Him, by making disciples. That begs us then to answer the question, what is a disciple? What is a disciple of Jesus? We have a very simple working definition. A disciple is one who treasures Jesus above all else, who follows Jesus, and who bears good fruit. Now, the bearing of good fruit is important because we see in the gospel that when we bear good fruit and people see the fruit that we bear, that glorifies our Father in heaven. So, as a disciple, bearing good fruit causes us to glorify God. Over the last four weeks, then, we unpacked the four marks of a disciple. These are characteristics that will be present in all disciples' lives. The first mark was that of the Word. The Word will be present in all disciples' lives. It will be present as the fuel, that which drives a disciple. The Word of God and the incarnate presence of Jesus is what fuels and sustains and drives a disciple. The second week then, we saw that worship is the response of a disciple. It's what's going to come out of a life who treasures Jesus, who wants to follow Jesus and who wants to bear good fruit, worship will be the response of that because we saw that worship is simply obedience. Obedience to God, doing what He says to do, that will be a life of worship. Then last week, we saw the third mark, which was that of community. A disciple will be in what we call biblical community, a place where people are taught and they encourage one another, instruct one another, rebuke one another. They, it, it's good, beautiful, biblical community. That is the context for a disciple. That's where it starts to go from the head to the heart and then starts to actually pour out. We need to have people around us that are spurring us on towards loving good deeds, towards being a disciple. And then today, we hit the fourth and the final mark of a disciple. And that mark is missional living. If you type the word missional into your computer, it will come up red. That is not a word in the English language. Missional. But I want to, un, us to understand what we're meaning when we say missional living. First, we say that is the result of a disciple. When it's all said and done, what a disciple will result in is missional living. Here at Summit, we say that missional living is giving your life away. It's not your life. It was bought with a price, so it's, it's already his, so I'm just going to fully surrender my life to God. I'm going to give my life back to God to be used for His purpose and for His glory. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. It's not about me anymore. 
I'm completely giving my life to him for his purpose, his will, and his glory. That is the result of being a disciple. Today I want to look at a passage where the language is a little different than ours here at Summit. But the words are in red letters because Jesus said them. And this is Jesus' language. This is Jesus speaking about the life of a disciple. I want to unpack that language. I want to look at the demands on the life of a disciple. And at the end, I just want you to be able to answer the question, is that me? Is that the result of me treasuring God above all else? Is that the result of me following Jesus? And is that the result of me bearing good fruit that my life would be given away? So as we get to that point, as we unpack that, let's pray and just ask for God to come and guide this whole, whole morning. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the truth of your word. We ask that you would just meet us now through your Holy Spirit and begin to open our hearts and our minds to the truth that is your gospel, that we would see it and do more than just hear it, but we would apply it, we would do what it says. And God, that through the, the life of discipleship, we would honor you and glorify you with our every breath and our every action. Lord, it is all for you. We are your church and your people, so just come and do as you see fit here. Not our will, but your will be done for your glory. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the language that Jesus uses for missional living, um, it is a pretty obscure phrase. Jesus calls missional living, taking up your cross. That's the phrase that he uses. He calls his disciples to take up their cross. We find that in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. This is Jesus' language regarding missional living. He says to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. They must deny themselves. Take up their cross daily. Luke is the only of the gospel writers who throws in that very important word. So if you're in Luke 9, go ahead and underline that word daily because it matters. And follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Do you hear the idea of giving your life away? Do you see the complexity of the language saying that it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ, and my life is for him, and I'm going to follow him with everything I've got? According to Jesus, missional living takes daily picking up your cross. The result of being a disciple is picking up a cross, or what we would call missional living. Failing to do this. According to Jesus, failing to live missionally, failing to pick up your cross daily means failing to be a disciple. Those are not my words, they're his. Look in Luke chapter 14, verse 27. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. The result of being a disciple will be picking up a cross, will be living missionally. 
Now, I want you to understand the context of these words so that we can see how intentional Jesus was in choosing to call discipleship according to these three demands. These words come on the tail end of Peter's confession of Jesus as the Christ. Jay read it just a few moments ago. Jesus asked his disciples, who are people saying that I am? Well, some are saying that you're Elijah, some are saying you're John the Baptist, some are saying another prophet. Okay, I don't care what other people are saying. Who do you say that I am? Peter steps up boldly and he goes, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus goes, wow, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Peter, emboldened by his beautiful display of knowledge, starts to then unpack how awesome it is that they happen to be followers of the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. So he goes, all right, here's the plan. When you get into Jerusalem, when you set up your kingdom here on this earth, when you're awesome and everyone else is bowing down to you here on this earth, you need to make sure that we are a part of your party. We're going to hitch our wagon onto you. We're going to ride the coattails of you all the way into glory here on this earth. And Jesus responds to Peter and says, you get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of this world. So you can't be my disciple. You can't hitch your wagon to me until you understand the purpose for which I came. I didn't come for my own glory. I came to glorify my Father in heaven. And if you want to follow me, this is what it looks like. This is where those demands come into play. And there's three of them in particular. Making sure that we as Christ followers aren't leading a double life. Thinking that by us being with Jesus, we're going to get the full richness and the full reward here on this earth. But thinking that us being with Jesus is about what we get out of it. He says, you're thinking like a human You need to understand that you being with me is about us glorifying the Father. And just so we're clear, here's the demands that I'm going to make on anyone who claims to be a follower of mine. Number one, demand number one, you need to deny yourself. Now there's a lot of ideas as to what self-denial may look like when it's played out. Some people believe that to deny yourself for the cause of Christ is deny yourself all pleasure, asceticism, to say pleasure is not godly, so I will not find any pleasure here on this earth. That is not what self-denial is. That's not what Jesus is calling us to. Some think that self-denial is self-discipline. Well, if it was simply self-discipline, then us not having a cookie after dinner would be following Jesus. That's self-discipline. That is not self-denial. Self-denial, as Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, is to refuse to allow God to play a minor role in our lives. It is to look at the controlling place in our lives and say, it is no longer me. This is not my life to lead and control. God, this is your life to lead and control. Those who deny themselves have learned to say, not my will, but yours be done. Do those words echo in anyone else's ears? Who, where did those come from? Oh yeah, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he didn't want to go to the cross, but he ends the prayer asking for another way. Not my will, but your will be done. That's what it means to deny 
oneself. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says it this way, to deny oneself is to be aware only of Christ and no more of oneself. To see only him, to see only Jesus who goes before us and no more the road which is too hard for us. Boy, when I hear it put that way, that sounds beautiful and good. I'm trying to mark out this road for the life of Todd. And to deny myself means to say, there is no longer a road, there's just Jesus. So where he tells me to go, I'm going to go. If he says go right, I'm going to go right. If he says go left, I'm going to go left. So you stop, I stop. Boy, that sounds wonderful. But the way we get to that is by completely taking our hands off the steering wheel. By completely agreeing into submitting to the fact that we don't dictate the course at all. I think if most of us were to be honest with ourselves, we want both and. We want Jesus in front of us on the road that we've mapped out for our lives. And to deny yourself says, I'm giving up that road. Wherever you lead, I will follow. Wherever you go, I will go. That's what it means to deny yourself. Not my will, but yours be done. Giving your life away will never happen until you fully embrace that this life is not for you. You do not breathe and exist for you. You breathe and exist for God. And you find your greatest pleasure in Him. If you let Him leave, there is pleasure there. If you let Him lead, there is pleasure there. But we will not experience that until we fully understand that this life is not ours. It's His. We need to deny ourselves. The second demand for a disciple is to take up their cross. Take up your cross. This is an unfamiliar phrase because for us to bear our cross means that we struggle through the arthritis that we have. That's just my cross to bear. It hurts in the morning. My fingers are stiff. Like that, that is not your cross. We completely misunderstand this phrase. In order to understand the second demand that Jesus places upon discipleship, we need to hear it as a first century Jew. That's who he's speaking to. That's who is receiving this command. So in the first century, the cross was a form of execution. And if anyone were to take up a cross, that would be horrible because that means you are marching to the place of your execution and you are about to die. So if you ever saw someone walking with a cross, that meant they were already dead. So for Jesus to look at his friends and his followers and go, first you got to deny yourself so that God's will is number one in your life. The second thing you got to do is you got to pick up a cross. They're going to go, you're crazy. Deny ourselves, get it. Pick up a cross, that's sadistic. Losers pick up crosses. People who tried to rebel against the Roman Empire were the ones who picked up crosses. And they picked them up because they got caught. They failed. So when Jesus says, pick up your cross, he's saying, come and join a revolution that in the world's eyes is a failure. Come and hit your wagon onto someone who the rest of the world hates. Come and tie your horse to someone whose message is that of self-denial and glorifying God. Pick up your cross. Pick up your cross. Pick up your cross. 
no one listening to him on that day would have been excited about this second demand. To take up your cross is to believe that Jesus is worth giving your life for. To say that you will take up your cross means that you will give your life for the cause of Christ, for the kingdom of God. You will fully surrender it, fully give it, and do whatever it takes for the kingdom to advance and not for you because you are hitching your wagon to a rebellion that leads to the reconciliation of the world. But it does not lead to glory in any of the world's eyes. So to pick up your cross is a radical, radical demand. Luke adds, and I believe it's because Jesus said, pick up your cross daily. This is not a one-time affiliation. I picked up my cross in 1984 at Falls Creek. Like that is not picking up your cross. To pick up your cross daily means to daily die to yourself. Daily die for the cause of Christ, for the advancement of the gospel, for the reconciliation of the world. To give your life away for the sake of the mission. That's what it means to be a disciple. Do you understand the weight of this second demand? Here's how Jesus elaborates. Verse 24 of Luke 9 again, just, just to make sure that you understand the weight of cross-bearing. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. If you refuse to pick up the cross, then there is no life in Christ for you. But if you daily pick up your cross by giving your life to the cause of Christ, you'll actually save it. Mark 8, the parallel passage, verse 35 through 38. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel the advancement of the good news of Jesus Christ. They will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me, if anyone fails to pick up their cross, if anyone is ashamed of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. This is an end-game experience. You don't pick up your cross for glory today. You pick up your cross for glory when the Son of Man returns with the angels in His Father's glory. That's why you bear your cross. That's why you pick it up. No other reason. Do you understand the weight of this demand? It's the result of being a disciple, picking up your cross. There's a third demand. Two words, rich in meaning. Demand number three, follow me. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. We have to hear this one as well as a first century Jew. Jesus, a rabbi, a teacher. Rabbis would assess their students, would assess their disciples. And for the best and the brightest, for the ones who could do it, they would walk up to them and they would say the words that a first century Jewish male desired to hear more than any other words. The rabbi would walk up and say, follow me. 
When they said, follow me, here's what they meant. It wasn't just tag along. I got some cool stuff to show you. The phrase follow me meant three things. It meant come do what I do, come teach what I teach, and come be me in my absence. So when Jesus, a rabbi, looks at his disciples, you, and says, follow me, he's saying, do what I do. Be about the sinner. Put others first. Love unconditionally. Come do what I do. Make your life look like me. Second, come teach what I teach in love. My words are not always easy to swallow, so you're going to have to coat them in love. But you still have to teach what I teach, and you cannot compromise on my word. Because if you want to be my disciple, you not only have to do what I do, you have to teach what I teach. And then finally, in my absence, when I go to sit at the right hand of glory, in my Father's presence, you need to be me. The way Paul says it is, you are an ambassador of Christ. You represent Jesus. You need to be him in his absence. Well, that's a tall order. Yeah, I know. That's why it's the third command of discipleship. You can say that follow me means tag along, but that's not the context in which the demand was spoken. It was a rabbi looking at his disciples saying, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Come do what I do, come teach what I teach, and be me in my absence. That's what it means to be a disciple, to give your whole life for the glory of God. That's what Jesus did. You have to be about his kingdom and not your own. As the band comes back out here, I need you to sit in the weight of those three demands. Because here's the truth. There's some in this room who call themselves disciples, but yet fall short when it comes to those demands. You call yourself a disciple because you call yourself a Christian. You've hitched your wagon to Jesus, not for the purpose of fulfilling his mission, not for the purpose of following him, not for the purpose of denying yourself, not for the purpose of the glory of God, but you have hitched yourself to Jesus for the purpose of keeping yourself out of hell. That is a fruit of being in Christ. But to be a follower of Christ will result in missional living. It will be there. And missional living looks like those three demands being lived out in your life on a daily basis. So where do you struggle in those three demands? Is it in denying yourself? Is it in saying, not my will but yours be done? Is it in saying, not my road but I'm just following you? Is that where you struggle the most? Do you struggle in picking up your cross? Do you struggle in daily saying, I'm going to give my life to the cause of your mission, not the cause of mine? Or is it in following him? Is it doing what he did? Is it teaching what he teaches? Is it being his ambassador? Where, where does that fall short? Because to be his disciple, you will do those three things. Now, he gives you grace and mercy, abounding. He's an ever-present teacher. He gives us strength beyond our natural abilities. The Holy Spirit is here to comfort us and guide us. Like, we've got a bunch of stuff in our arsenal. It's not just about your flesh being able to do these three things. Like, that's the gospel as well. But where are you at? If we are going to be a church that's about making disciples, the result of being a disciple is that we will make more disciples. We will glorify God. But it begins with you 
truly and articulately assessing whether or not you are a disciple. And where you fall short, you confess and you repent and you come and he restores and rebuilds and strengthens because he's good and he loves you. But his demands are unwavering. The call to follow Jesus is a very real and rich call. And it's one that will take your whole life. But it's a life that will glorify God. And it's a life that's worth living. So our prayer team is going to come up here as we respond to the word. Whatever you need, what, if you're struggling in any way, come and let one of our pastors, our prayer team members, just pray for you. Unleash this grace and power of God in your life. But then this also is a ministry time where you come and, and you say, I, I'm falling short here. Deny myself. I'm just doing a horrible job at that. I, I need Jesus to come and help me work through that. Let us pray with you. Let us love on you. Let us minister to you. Let, let this be a time where we respond to the word. We respond to God. So Jesus, in the name that is above all names, we ask that you would call us. Call us to the truth of your word. Call us to the demands that you place on all those who desire to be your disciples. Give us grace where we fall short. Give us mercy where we need it. But Lord, most importantly, allow us to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow you. Let being a disciple result in missional living, result in your gospel being taken forth. Let it result in our Father being glorified above all else. God, we know you desire this. So come and meet us where we're at and help us respond to your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and respond to him.